Can we change the way we produce food to both meet the needs of humans whilst regenerating our soils and ecosystems? And can we do so in a way that improves the financial viability of farms? These questions are becoming increasingly urgent to answer, and we're here to investigate a promising technique called agroforestry in order to find out how it can help us with these challenges. We'll be interviewing farmers, scientists, and other experts to share with you their experiences, practical advice, and scientific research. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Regenerative Agroforestry podcast. Today, we're delighted to have with us Matteo Mazzola from Miside Farm. Today, oh, today we received finally the the core, uh, the genetic core of uh, of our future uh, sheep flock. Uh, actually, not flock, but herd, uh, because we 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 got our uh, male, which is a blue-faced Leicester uh, sheep male. And he's, he's a young boy of four months old, and is very for for all the English uh, farmers is is a very normal breed, like you find it everywhere. is 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 basically the most used uh, male breed, uh, which is used in, in in England. But in Italy, I think there are possibly four or five uh, of these uh, animals of this breed. And uh, that's very important because with the male, we are going to change uh, the genetics uh, to direct, to orientate the, the, the genetics of the whole herd. And uh, it's a very important day. It was very expensive. It's, 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 very, it's a very funny animal. And uh, wow. so we got one blue-faced Leicester and, and one Texel uh, female. That's, that's going to be for another project. Uh, so also with with the animals uh, which are going to be the core of uh, the whole system the the element of activation of potentiation and uh, of uh, uh, the, the dynamic element also for the agroforestry systems um, yeah. so it's very important to work out um, an important plan from an e- ecological point of view so you need to choose the the right the right breeds you need to choose actually you need you need to choose the right species you need to choose then the right breed and then uh, uh or the right breeds and then you need to understand the numbers uh connected to how the season changes how the pasture changes uh if one ear is more dry or one ear is more wet again you will change uh, the numbers and the behaviors of uh, the animals so we are basically now in the process of trying to find the compatibility uh, between our landscape, uh, our microclimate, the type of animals that we are choosing, and the way we want to manage them. The objective are, are mainly two. One is to uh, speed up the regener- uh, regeneration and the maintenance uh, process of our uh, ecosystem, agroecosystem. Mm-hmm. And the second one is to 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 have another a new uh, produce to sell uh, for our clients uh, on our market. And and did this uh, did the sheep come all the way from England? It was sent like a live animal from there, or you found it uh, closer to home? Uh no. Luckily, there are few enlightened uh, Italians. Uh, which they did the the work for me a few years ago, 
So we got uh, uh, the son of uh, English animals, uh, but but again, he was born in Italy. So okay. but I will, I will, with the COVID uh, issue, everything sort of stopped, like uh, the, the import and export of animals slowed down uh, a lot. So, but I, I will possibly at the end of summer try to get more animals from England because uh, we have a precise idea what, of uh, what we want, not just the breeds, but also the, the genetic lines. Uh, of of every single breed. That's something that we'll definitely want to get into uh, during this podcast. Understand a bit more about the you know the decisions and and why you're choosing these breeds. But what we what we like to do at the beginning is to understand a bit the context of of the farm and so that we can you know present our listeners an image of what it looks like at Iside. So do you think you could tell us a bit about you know who are the key players on the farm and and who's who's working there at the moment? Um, basically, the farm is managed by uh, my partner Paola, uh, by me, by Jessica, which is our colleague and, and friend since uh, actually nearly four years. And mm-hmm. then we are helped by uh, volunteers, which are interested in, uh, in spending a few, few weeks or months uh, at our farm to, to learn a little bit more and, and, and to check how is the system uh, that we are creating. And yeah, plus few local uh, local people that come uh, here and there during the week, one or two days, uh, just to, to help us because they, they like the project, not necessarily interested uh, in, in, in deeply understanding uh, everything mm-hmm. uh, which is behind the regenerative agriculture and agroforestry and so on. Uh, but still, they they play possibly the most uh, important role, which is like supporting us uh, when uh, when uh, a big portion of the community don't understand yet uh, what we are doing, mm-hmm. or actually also tries to 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 create problems. Um, and so, on a typical day, how many how many people are on a typical season summer day? How many people are working in the field? Uh, it, it really changes a lot. It changes a lot because we are we are not a farm. We are we are a building site, so it, it can be <laughs> one person. It can be ten people. So okay. it, it really changes. Um, there are too many too too many things uh, which makes up <laughs> our farm. It's like uh, there is the family layer. Uh, there is the relationship uh, layer. There is the bucro- uh, bureaucracy layer. Uh, there is the the customer clients uh, layer. There is the experimentation research and the, the demonstration layer. Uh, there is the productive, of course, uh, uh, the agronomic uh, layer, and and really is 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 very complex. And we are a very young farm. Um, many things are are working. Many other ones we already abandoned them. Many are, many we are changing them. Uh, still, how yeah. do you even have the time to talk to us, Matteo? <laughs> uh, because uh, you're beautiful people. <laughs> <laughs> no, because for us is 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 very important to uh, let's say to 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 do what we can to support uh, well structured well structured project like yours. 
uh, is because we, either we don't have the capacity or uh, the time to organize, to give um, more eco to what we are uh, doing. Because, of course, it's, it's not our job. Our job mm -hmm. is, is to be in the field, to observe, mm -hmm. to, to get feedback from, uh, from, from the systems and to change them and, and to have the flexibility and, and the, uh, the resources uh, in order to completely change the system. Because then when, when I consult or I give courses, I don't want to tell them what it could be if I tell them, look, with this soil, in this climate, is like this or has been like this and then from there on we can start uh we can continue with uh with a more precise planning with a more precise uh with more precise protocols uh either for for uh, disease management or or uh water management or soil fertility or uh any 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 uh any brick of the system Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And so could, could you tell us a bit about what are you producing on the farm at the moment? Um, what are you selling and where to or who to? Yeah. Um, again, this is uh, changing all the time because we are, we are setting the system. Um, basically, every place is, uh, it has its own identity, uh, social identity and cultural identity. So... Um, it already has changed a lot since uh, the beginning here, but uh, uh, even more from the farm I was managing a few kilometers away from here, far from here, uh, is, is completely different. So uh, we are selling, we have a CSA. I think now we have around 80 families uh, which are uh, on our uh, CSA. And, uh, and then we sell to, I think, five restaurants. And we have extra um, boxes like uh, veg and fruit boxes that we are selling to people that don't want to join join the CSA. And then mm -hmm. we have, which is becoming a quite interesting economical part of the uh, of, of of the of our project, uh, which is this um, small uh, trust market that we have. Uh, just at the at the entrance of the property, where we just place uh, uh, bags with the uh, uh, the price and the and the and the weight of the produce, and people just leave their their money, which is quite normal to find this type of uh, uh, system uh, selling system in 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 the north of, of Europe or or in Australia in places where I've been, but here it's just like everybody look at us and say what. Are you crazy? Are, aren't they stealing everything? Say, yeah, many times they, it happens. But again, this is for us. Um, for us, has been very important to do something like that to build trust and to show something completely different uh, mm -hmm. than they are used to uh, to the people uh, that are living uh, here, to, to people from here. So it was amazing. It was very important. Also, the answer of the mayor uh, to 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 what we did and, and to the people that really like it, people that are leaving messages inside the, uh, the, the money box, which is of course is open and someone can take the money as it happens sometimes, or as it happens many times, people are leaving more money than we are, uh, we are asking. So I remember when, uh, when I was there, um, there was, um, you, you were saying that there was more money in the box usually than what uh, was expected with the amount of produce 
on the shelf, right? So you make people were probably in, enjoying this this kind of trusting and leaving a bit of a tip in a way. Yeah, is is that still the case there? It is. It is totally. Now we we. It started to be an interesting, uh, as I was saying, uh, ec- economic future because uh, really uh, we are starting to to pay off uh, our rents, like for for our houses, uh, thanks to that market. So it's increasing more and more. More people know it. Mm. More people want to support us. More people through that are understanding that behind that that uh, gate there is a there is a farm. People didn't know it. Uh, because we didn't have time to to advertise our presence, and and the lo- many local people were speaking, uh, were saying bad things about us because they they don't even knew us. They they just listened to people that had interest on our uh, land, and so it is very therapeutical that market, very therapeutical for for many people in different ways. So yeah, uh, we sell uh, vegetables, um, we sell fruits, we have uh, uh, olive oil, eggs, uh, the the honey. I mean, we have bees, but now they're managed by uh, one of our friends, which is let's say external to the farm, uh, but still uh, producing the honey from our uh, from our land. And then we started a few months ago producing. Um, uh, edible and medicinal uh, mushrooms and mm-hmm. uh, we have a, a small nursery where we produce uh, multifunctional plants for agroforestry systems and then i'm sure i'm forgetting ah we have berries many many berries and mm-hmm. uh, possibly something else which i i i, I forget now what about the sheep what are you planning on on doing with uh, with the sheep on the land the sheep is um at the moment we have a uh, meat sheep mm-hmm. so we just started a few months ago so it will take some time to have uh, the produce the next year mm-hmm. and basically the sheep we want to we want to work on a particular quality of meat because in italy sheep meat at least in the north in, is not much known not much used and uh, yeah we want to work on the quality like on the taste on on the on the experience that people are not used to um this is one thing now working with lambs but uh, with uh, 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 adults and then um, we have some ideas for for the the whole um we would like to to make like uh, or organic uh, uh, pillows uh, with the with the wool, mm. and then um, again, one very important part is like is selling uh, alive animals, uh, so mm-hmm. the, the okay. genetic, and, and and for this uh, we work on uh, producing uh, mules, so that means like hybrids between uh, the blue blue face uh, blue face lyster and and other uh, uh, breeds. And then we'll see, maybe also to to start at, at some point to sell like pure breeds, uh, which are not really known or present in Italy, because we ha- we have a we can have a a, a strong eco uh, uh, about new things in Italy, because many people know know us, many people trust us, uh, know that behind a new project there is lots of study, lots of research, lots of uh, trials, lots of money that we have been spending. In order to mm-hmm. to arrive to to something uh, very um, how to say um, solid, 
I don't know how to say in English. Very sure. Maybe you could explain to us a bit what the land is like in terms of, uh, or what the you know the your context there is like in terms of the climate, the soil. Yeah. To have an idea, a picture of of what it all looks like. Yeah. Uh, basically, we are just uh, in front of uh, Lake Iseo, which is a, mm-hmm. a glacial um, lake. Uh, very pretty, and uh, we the, the farm is, is is located on the I don't know how to, how to say in English. I think is uh, the, the morenic deposits of the glacier. Okay. Well, basically, the the in in few thousands of years or even more uh, of uh, glacier activity, uh, moving uh, uh, sediment, uh, moving soil, rocks, uh, sand, uh, and 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 uh, silt and 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 clay. Uh, basically, our farm is is uh, on eighty meters, around eighty meters uh, deep um, glacier sediment. Uh, which come from uh, mainly it comes from uh, um Monica valley which is a very diverse valley from geological point of view is is where the the acidic alps meet the uh, limey and the alkaline alps so you can find granite you can find flintstone you can find limestone you can find gypsum you can find uh, all sorts of um, all sorts of stones, like uh, I counted around 13 uh, different minerals in our soil. Um, so so does tricky. that mean it's very rich in it's it's very fertile soil? Is that what it means? Um, it's very rich in certain uh, elements, very poor mm-hmm. in other elements. It's not alluvial soil. So basically okay. an, an alluvial soil is the is the sum of many morenic or 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 many non alluvial uh, soil uh we have many excesses uh like copper like zinc like calcium like magnesium uh we have them in in very high uh, quantities mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but still it's very interesting and the 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 morpho the, the interesting thing is that the morenic deposits uh they were left by the glacier on the side of uh uh, a mountain which gets to 1,500 meters uh, in height, and that mountain on the top is still is not deposit uh, um, from the glacier, but is like uh, gypsum. Uh, sorry, is uh, dolomite, uh, which gives some of the characteristic of uh, of our soil. And the mm-hmm. property is uh, is uh, uh, de- is um, um, basically developing on uh, 70 meters of uh, altitude and is uh, around 60,000 uh, square meters so 6 hectares around okay and what can i say we have a, a mountain uh, sorry uh, a water a spring uh, which is very important for us because it it it, it runs i think around 20 to 40,000 liters of water per day, but of a very alkaline uh, water with very high active uh, calcium, active lime uh, inside. So it's very interesting to, to be working with that, um, with that water. 
And from microclimate point of view, we are in front of a lake, but uh, at the beginning of, of the valley, of the valley of the lake that created the, uh, the, the, the lake, we, there are glaciers. So temperature can, can be not extremely low, but still we have uh, winters with, uh, with low temperatures and very hot summers. Uh, it can get to 40 degrees. And in the winter, in the last year, not really, but it can get to minus 15, minus 10. Uh, but normally it would be around zero or a little bit below. Um, of course, climate is changing. He's, 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 he's increasing the, uh, the temperature. But still, more or less, this is, this is about the, the microclimate. We have around 800 to 1,000 uh, millimeters of rain per year with peaks of 1,200 uh, or 700 uh, millimeters in the driest seasons. Um, yeah, Matteo, we thought, um, you know, before we go into really exploring the detail of, um, you know, how you're managing the systems, maybe you could start explaining the different agroforestry systems you have um, on the farm. Yeah. Um, it's a very diverse farm is, is from, from morphology point of view. Uh, we have billions of different niches uh, and uh, we have a huge diversity of especially of uh, um, grasses and and forbs and and um, uh, herbaceous uh, plants uh, this makes things very interesting but very difficult uh, together with the soil which is not is changing every meter of soil is changing so on one line of, of peaches you will see huge differences in, in health and, and production and, and plant behavior. Um, so the thing, we, I, I have to start from, from uh, not really the system, but why we are uh, implementing so many different systems. Um, I do consultancies, I do courses, and I like to experiment and research uh, in order, uh, in order to have informations, um, material that can be uh, spread, that can be given to to farmers, um, not just to to become more regenerative, uh, more or organic, uh, but also to to go faster in the transition toward a more regenerative agriculture, and at the same time. For us, is very important. Maybe even more than the regener regenerative agriculture part is that has to be uh, economically viable. Either the implementation, but also uh, the the outcome. So um, we are trying to understand by implementing so many systems. Uh, first, what grows well locally, because we would like to um, to create a wave of interest uh, from from uh, uh, the concept, but also from uh, uh, economical uh, perspective. Uh, we would like to have people that surrounds us that start to do similar or, or the same things in order to to become uh, stronger on the market and and maybe to to have a nice produce from Sulzano. Uh, that uh, we don't produce just in in few hundreds of kilos, but it can be a few thousand, and and, and to get maybe also to uh, to bigger cities. Um, 
so we started with uh, a quite big olive grove especially for for these uh, areas is is big because it's uh, 200 more than 250 trees with some trees which are quite big yielding we are in the north of italy so it's not really the best place for olives to to grow but um still we have some trees which are yielding up to 120 uh, 130 kilos of uh, olives per year uh, so quite big trees and and then we had to interact at the beginning with the, with those trees. Uh, to me, the olive grove, together with the pasture underneath, it is already a system. We can't and we don't want to work too much uh, in complexifying the olive grove system um, because for two reasons. First, on our latitude, we are already needing to prune the trees in order to have more light to come uh, from the center, from the middle of the, uh, of the tree, because there is a lack of light in certain months of the, of the year. Uh, especially then connected also to um, average moisture during the year. It is, is an evergreen tree, so uh, during the, the coldest month, you want the air, air flow, it, it keeps on uh, flowing, Otherwise, uh, we have many, 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 many uh, fungi and, 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 and bacterial diseases. And, and this already tells you, okay, we can't play too much with uh, top canopy or emergent trees which grows above the olive tree. We are doing a few experiments, but, but still, I think it, it will be not uh, the direction we'll be taking uh, with the olive trees. Uh, the second most important thing with olive trees is that you need to put nets on the ground so you can't really mess up with bushes and, and too many trees uh, underneath the trees because otherwise when you go to harvest the olives, it, it, it takes too long to harvest them and we should sell the, uh, the olive oil for too much, uh, too expensive and people wouldn't buy it. We are already selling it for a lot because in this area it costs a lot, like between 18 and 25 euros per liter. When in the south of Italy, in Basilicata, which quality is also higher than, uh, than our, uh, they're selling it for four, six euros a liter. So but you're still able to sell that olive oil then, uh, even if it's not competitive with better olive oil from the south, you still have a local customer... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sell it all. We sell it all, no problem. We, we could have even more because people uh, either like to buy local or like our project and then they, they want to support us. Uh, mm -hmm. Most of the olive oil goes, goes to, uh, goes to uh, like family members, friends and, and uh, close customers because really we, we are producing between uh, 300 and 750 liters of oil uh, per year. So it's not a lot. Just our family, I think he uses 60, 70 liters per year, maybe even, even more. So uh, it's, it's not much. It will be increasing because the trees were abandoned and, and we're managing them in order to have uh, an increased uh, production. Then we want to manage the system in a very simple way, uh, from, uh, at least from um, plant species point of view. The diversity comes in the pasture. And the pasture is managed, has to be managed by animals. 
then the increase in value uh, from biodiversity, functional biodiversity point of view is brought by the animals and their activity. The sheep yeah. and the olive tree, if they are well managed, is, is a beautiful, uh, how do you say, couple, is <laughs> a beautiful mm-hmm. relation. Uh, they, they work very well together, extremely well together. That's 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 great, and I think we'll come back a bit later to really um, the the interactions between you know trees and animals, and that's something we're really interested in. Um, but just to continue our overview, then uh, you also, I think, I understand associate uh, vegetables with trees, and uh, just finishing our little virtual tour of your tree systems. Yeah, uh, the second uh, most important system, at least uh, <laughs> by now. Uh, is the is the fruit orchard is uh, is um, really experimental orchard from many many point of view because is uh, we have eighty eight uh, fruit tree varieties which is a bit of a nightmare from one point of view but very interesting <laughs> from an observation point of view and 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 the learning curve uh, point of view and uh, we have planted the most uh, used known species so peaches apricots apples uh, pears. Um, plums, figs, and uh, table grape. Um, we planted uh, the orchard on a on a key line pattern in order to show um, and absorb also uh, the effect also on a small bit of land because we are talking about less than a hectare orchard. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, between I think is around seven thousand square meters if uh, if I'm right, and uh, we have monoculture line which means that on one tree line we have the same species but every four trees the it changes varieties so we have this pattern of uh, um starting with the earliest flowering actually the earliest fruiting varieties and going forward uh, the most uh, uh, the latest fruiting uh, varieties and then we have for every species, we created different experimental consortiums with, uh, with other trees. For example, with the plums, uh, on one line, we have two lines of uh, plums. On one line, we, we have planted, uh, of course, the plums. In between the plums, we have uh, two quite closely planted uh, polonias. Um, which I don't remember what's the name in English. Paulonia. Uh, pa- Paulonia. Yeah. Paulonias. There we mm-hmm. go. Uh, so Paulonias, uh, we, we have Paulonias planted from seeds, but also uh, three uh, hybrid varieties um, in order to, to check the behavior and, and the management and, and the resistance to the climate. And then between one plum and the other, then we, we will have the Paulonias in the middle between the trees and then under the paulonias and between the plums uh, we have uh, gooseberries it's like the bush layer and then uh, uh, on uh, on uh, because it is on, on a slight slope on the uh, upper part we planted uh, a consortium of uh, every 1 meter uh, a sort of it will be uh, an edge. So we planted uh, mulberries, willows, and uh, uh, some um, elderberries, and and different 
let's say, wild trees, which will be kept like bushes in order to have uh, proteins, minerals, uh, or those biochemical elements that the animals, the grazing animals, can't find on the pasture. Then we are increasing dramatically the amount of active roots in the fruit tree lines, uh, but keeping those trees very young all the time, like sort of uh, 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 um, either coppicing or very low uh, pollarding uh, system. In order, every time that the animals pass from the, that area, they have their 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 choice uh, free choice uh, um, like uh, um, tree fodder, and they will eat whatever they will need. Yeah, so they will eat the leaves, mm -hmm. they will eat the twigs, and then when it will be needed, we will go and cut and renovate uh, those uh, those branches. Um, do you want me to tell you other consort uh, examples of consortiums? I think it um, it already already gives us quite a, a good idea of the uh, as the conversation uh, keeps going we can maybe explain them when 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 needed some other consortiums but already here there's a lot of questions that come up with what you've said um, why are you integrating paulonias in the orchard for example what's the what's the purpose there what's the role of the paulonia well uh, there there is a, behind it there is a, a little bit of a a, a, a mental disease, which is uh, that disease that that uh, all of uh, the agro agroforestry and regenerative agriculture farmers have, which is like I want to grow biomass. I want to grow biomass. Uh, we we don't even know why. I mean, of course we know why, but it's something that comes out uh, very natural. Like if you see a mound of uh, of uh, wood chips. Uh, uh, on the side of the road, you you're already thinking, oh wow, I, I have to come here and, and, and take it to my farm. Yeah, it's a sort of kleptomania uh, of uh, of biomass. Um, the polonias is one of the fastest growing uh, trees in this climate, and and this year we have seen it. Like in in two and a half months, they 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 reach four meters high, and now while I'm speaking, wow. probably they are growing five six centimeters. Uh, <laughs> so they're just amazing. Uh, so uh, production of biomass local, uh, like uh, in situ, on situ, and then mm -hmm. a very important future is uh, which we already experimented in the last three weeks with two strong hail events uh, that has ruined, ruined many different crops we have, especially the apples. Uh, under the Polonias, the Polonias were destroyed, like they are full of holes. The the tips. Uh, of the uh, of the polonias were broken, but the mm -hmm. trees uh, that were already protect, protected by them, they didn't have any problems. So they did mm. reach a quite high level. Uh, I'm thinking to to have them growing at least to seven eight meters, and to uh, unbranch them, so to prune all the bottom branches and to keep this protective cap at the top. Uh, at the top, at seven, eight meters height, it could be that we we go even uh, even higher because we want light to penetrate through, but we also want to create this protective uh, protective layer. Are you are you worried about the shade um, and how that will? I, I'm I'm well, I've been there. I've seen the Paulonia, so I I know that they're located uh, in between fruit trees. Um, 
So maybe that needs to be clear for the listeners. Um, what are you expecting the shade? Uh, how are you expecting the shade created by the Paronia to impact the, the different fruit trees that you have in the, in the orchard? Mm, to me, that, that's not a problem. It's like uh, if there is too much shade, you understand it because uh, the, the trees, depending depending the species, either they, they will curve, they, they will move their uh, branches, new branches toward the light, so you already understand that there is too much uh, shade, mm -hmm. or they will... <laughs> make darker leaves or, or bigger leaves. And then you understand, you, you have to observe if what is the extent uh, to which the, that particular uh, species can tolerate the shade. If there is too much shade, you just prune more, uh, more branches or you just, uh, you just cut, like polar, polar the, the tree uh, in the more sensible uh, periods. Normally during summertime, for any crop here, the sun is too strong. Yeah. So uh, mm -hmm. it's very important by the summer to reach a good, uh, a good protection. Uh, Polonia that, that is, not, is unpruned, it will reduce also the size of the leaves. The first year, they're huge. They're, they're, uh, we have some leaves which are like 60 centimeters in, the, in diameter. They're, they're really uh, a roof. But uh, uh, while the tree gets older, the trees are becoming smaller and more light uh, passes through. So I'm not concerned, again, of early shade, which is the, the most damaging, especially to flowering trees and, and to the first important en en enlarging of the of the fruits, um, the Paulonia is a C4, is the only C4 tree that we have around here. So it, uh, it, um, it wakes up very late during the, uh, during the season. So meanwhile, all the fruit trees has already uh, fruited. The Paulonia is still there, which is still sleeping. So that's, that's, it doesn't concern me. Okay. And um, going back to what you were, to the, the functions of the Paulonia, I also expect that, you know, by pruning the Paulonia on the sides, you're going to be able to sell the wood at some point. No, is that something that you, you're hoping to do or are you hoping to leave it there and to, and to, to act as a support to the fruit trees around? Uh, it, it's what I want to do. Like, uh, of course, the... Um... What we can't do is to apply, is to fully apply the the uh, syntropic principles of a sort of uh, rhythmic uh, forest falling uh, in order to restart the the succession uh, process because this will take many years and of course uh, a lack of uh, uh, a lack of production. For, for certain periods. But we can play with different crops. So maybe now the Paulonias are growing, meanwhile we will be planting uh, another uh, silvicultural uh, crop, uh, like wood, uh, wood uh, crop. Uh, and when the Paulonia will be ready to be cut, we'll be already have um, another tree that will uh, grow uh, at the same height. So, Eventually, that's the idea uh, to grow uh, 
the wood that we are using the farm to to build stuff to build uh, the barns to build uh, all sorts of things that we we are building uh, right now and we have to buy the wood we want to grow fast wood on our farm and there are many ideas also with the uh, polonia woods but we can speak later or another time if you want um yeah maybe i was thinking of uh, of um staying on the paulonia kind of uh track here but looking going below the soil um what are you expecting to happen on on the soil level with the roots and um, just to elaborate a, a bit more like one of the the typical concerns that would arise here um because if if we understand correctly you've got on the tree line you have fruit trees in between you have paulonias you could also in, you will also integrate some other trees there um, and you also have berries underneath, right? Um, what do you, you know, some people may be, con- may be concerned by competition, for example. So what would you, what would you say to, what, what do you have to say about the whole root aspect and, and competition factor? Uh, I, I have to admit that this is something too complex uh, to be sure to say, oh, it's like this. I mean, nobody really mm-hmm. knows well the, the soil, especially when you're, uh, applying agroecological principles and and you are sort of letting yourself um, accepting uh, all the diver- all the diversity and all the possibilities uh, that that a natural system uh, brings with it so I don't know what will will be happening with the roots of course we have uh, very powerful tools which are uh, pruning branches, but also pruning uh, roots to reduce or to stimulate uh, the activity of of the trees. And the only problem then, because we already said that the, the shade it can be managed with uh, with the pruning uh, or the correct uh, man- management. The only problem then it will. It would be possibly the the fertilization and and the lack of nutrients for the fruit trees or 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 the berries or the polonias, which are trees that that require a huge amount of uh, nutrients. Uh, we already have uh, set um, uh, um, uh, drip irrigation system uh, and also the possibility to to use uh, rain rain irrigation. Um, so we use already. Every time that we irrigate uh, something, especially the vegetables, because of fruit trees, we don't really uh, irrigate them. But every time that arrives water, the water is is uh, is with uh, a, a sort of fertilizer. So we use a lot. Um, how do you call them? Macerati is like, a, um, like macerations, uh, ferments. Yeah, not, not really ferments, but it, it's more like uh, we 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 chuck. Uh, leaves from uh, dynamic accumulators or just uh, mm-hmm. crops in the in the water they uh, they decompose in the in the water and when the water is is it gets colored uh, we we dilute that water into the irrigation water and so every time that we irrigate uh, the trees and the and the plants they they get nutrients uh, this is the simplest thing, but then of course we have many, many other different uh, produce that we use to stimulate to to um, to bring the nutrients uh, which are uh, difficult for the trees uh, to get in quantity and in quality. So 
through water uh, via uh, gravity we spend very little time mm, nearly no uh, energy effort uh, to to bring a lot of nutrients to the trees then if there are not enough nutrients because there are too many trees then we will be uh, bringing them through uh, uh, fertilization irrigation system um, but um, in, in your experience on the farm with all the different experiments that you have could could you say that uh, as could you say could you generalize that planting densely hasn't impacted performance or has impacted performance no because we the, the first year we grew together with the trees uh, the vegetables so on the tree lines on this let's say 60 to 80 centimeters wide uh, fruit trees beds um, we, 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 we planted vegetables and I mean we produced good vegetables and and, and and the trees they grew more than we expected very very fast uh, very robust actually we had too much fertility uh, too much uh, nitrogen from organic uh, matter release we have a, a sandy loam uh soil so the organic matter it just like burns in like like the wood in a stove and it releases a lot and uh and also we have been mulching with the uh, with the grass uh, that grows between uh, the three trees lines which again i should have stopped the second year and started to be using um wood chips or to plant more uh herbaceous layer to cover uh, the soil, which is what we'll be doing um, the next winter. We already reproduced lots of uh, herbaceous layer uh, plants to, to do that. Then, no, I, I, can, I can answer on most of the crops, uh, we didn't have absolutely uh, any of, uh, of those competition problems. Maybe uh, it's important to study the whole issue of uh, allelopathy, because for example, where we, I knew it, but I don't know, too many things to do. Uh, I forgot when we were planting that when we put table grape, we have two lines of uh, table grape. On the right line, on the south line, we, we placed, uh, we transplanted um, um, parsley, very densely planted parsley under the, the, the grape. And parsley has a, an extremely strong allelopathy uh, effect on, on many plants. And those grapes for that year, they didn't grow. I mean, their cousins on, on, the, on the left side, they grew from a very small plant. Like we planted like 20 centimeter long twig. And the first year we had uh, on some plants like nine meters uh, growth. On the ones with the parsley, we had like 60, 70 centimeter growth with small leaves, a little bit yellowish. Then we, we took away the parsley and the next year they just grew like, like crazy. That shows how, um, you know, it's important to carefully choose the species that you put together, right? You can't just put anything with anything or could you? Totally. No, no, no. I mean, you should plant anything. And then with that soil, you will observe what crops uh, they are they are uh, damaging or they are stopping or or they are uh, decreasing the speed of growth of the of your commercial or your fruit trees, for example. Uh, but the first year, at least starting from a small experimental plot, try everything. When someone tells me, "Oh, this tree, you shouldn't put it uh, with that," and I do it, 
if someone tells me don't do it, I do it because uh, I want to see in my soil. Because if I think that that tree has got certain functions, uh, that that important functions that my system needs, I will try to use it. Uh, people, everybody is telling me, oh, don't plant uh, eucalyptus. What are you doing in the north of Italy? And no, we choose between those 750 species of eucalyptus. We, we found the three uh, most uh, uh, cold resistant and, and we, have plant, we planted them. And now they are growing. Uh, this year we have like four meters tall eucalyptus between, uh, between the fig trees, between the peaches and... and nothing at the moment has changed if compared to the peaches and the fig trees that don't have those uh, eucalyptus trees. So it's very important to, to study a lot, to, to go to courses, to go to visit farms, but then to, to experiment uh, because every single soil will be suppressing or will be uh, enhancing uh, certain characteristics of, of a determined species. And uh, is it, it, it would be a pity not to try a tree just because someone told you, don't, don't do that. So I, I always tell to people, look, do whatever you think is good for you. If you have time, energy, money, resources, do it. On a small piece of your farm, uh, while you're producing uh, organically or, or uh, organically uh, from a conventional point of view, uh, in order to get the money that you need to to run your operation, then a small part of farm uh, you have to experiment. Um, I I don't know what it will be with the Polonia roots. Uh, what I can do is uh, is uh, just to keep light coming coming through in the amount that the trees uh, need it, and to fertilize my uh, my crops. Uh, which produce fruits that that I need. Maybe I will understand that it's better to cut down the fruit trees and to plant more polonias to, to produce wood, right? Uh, we don't know yet. Matteo, I wanted to ask just to clarify, um, going back to this idea of, you know, planting vegetables on your tree line the first year, which uh, I think is a very exciting idea. Um, you know, you mentioned... Um, that even uh, roots were getting burnt. Uh, is there? Did you see like a conflict um, between the needs of vegetables in terms of fertility and overfertilizing trees, or uh, you know, are there any specific combinations that worked well? Uh, I just want to to go a bit um, in a few examples here because I think it's fascinating. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I go straight forward with the we 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 tried many different crops. Yeah, uh, I can tell you about. I, I could speak about a, a, every single vegetable crop. Uh, connected to a particular tree species, uh, but I tell you, I start from this, uh, from two crops uh, that we planted under the uh, peaches uh, fruit lines. The potatoes was amazing; it was perfect uh, for many reasons because it's good the first year, and this is what I will do with the, the next system that I I will uh, uh, be planting. I will now use mulch for the first year because I want I don't want the trees to develop uh, a shallow root system and uh, I'm depending of course on the crops certain crops uh, it will be fine I will be mulch from the first year uh, but I would prefer to have not bare soil but of course like uh, maybe a crop like a vegetable crop that lets some some sun burn the soil and the temperature to increase uh, so the First 
uh, root structure that the fruit trees developed the first year, which is extremely important, it's like the, 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 the spine of a child, uh, I want them to grow very deep. I want it to extend uh, where the, the, the natural water is. So the potatoes were good because they allowed us to, by also destroying, when we harvest the, the, harvested the potatoes, by destroying the superficial roots, the only problem is that the potato is, uh, uh, is the best crop you could choose to bring verticillium uh, fungi. I don't know what is uh, black rot, maybe it's called in, 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 in English. Um, anyway, verticillium is the, is the Latin name. Uh, yeah. And the potato carries it and brings it to the system. And the peaches are extremely uh, vulnerable against this uh, disease. And not just the peaches, because it's a disease uh, that it, it grows on around 350 different crops. And it's a disease that kills the trees. It can kill an ol a very old uh, olive tree if there are uh, the right conditions. So when I talk about, uh, about this with uh, Ant Gosh, he told me, mm, is not the problem is not to plant the potato the problem is that the potato should be planted on the top of the soil not under the soil so this i still have to i have to try yeah uh, but still in our case the line with the potatoes uh, the peaches on that line they are the the ugliest uh, they're still producing a lot we're trying by fertilizing them by treating them uh, with all sorts of uh, uh, preparations. We are trying to keep them alive uh, with the uh, sort of right pruning. Uh, but still, uh, from a conventional point of view, if I had decided to put potatoes everywhere, that would, be, would have been uh, a big problem. Uh, on the other side, an amazing uh, crop has been corn. We planted a line of corn, very thick, uh, like sweet corn, um, sweet corn in between the lines. Uh, sorry, uh, on the line, in between the trees. And those trees, they were the most amazing. They, they grew like, like crazy and they, they were protected in the first year, which is very important because I imagine a small tree doesn't... Uh, normally, a, a, a peach tree would grow through the bushes, through the grass, or protected by another tree. And, and that was... The corn was with, with his shape, which is like... Uh, long and thin, it lets the, the, the light come, but, I, but still protecting the leaves here and there uh, while the, the, the sun moves. Uh, I do believe that uh, the strong microbial activity and the huge amount of hormones that uh, are released continuously by uh, this amazing C4 crop, uh, they played uh, a very important role into the activation of the of the roots of the of the peaches, I have pictures and and which are really uh, showing what, what happened there. I mean, we are not talking about thousands of trees or an experiment of of many hectares, but still, when when you have uh, let's say fifteen trees uh, with one crop and fifteen trees with another crop, and you see uh, a tendency, uh, you already have uh, some good answers. Another good crop uh, is uh, sweet potatoes. I really like sweet potatoes. 
because uh, um, they produce huge biomass. They 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 protect the soil during during the the summer, and they they create this, uh, um, how to say, big elements which are digging the the strongest and the hardest of the of the soils like moving stones like pumping sugars in the soil uh, around the sweet potatoes the soil normally is, is is amazing is is fantastic so they create when you harvest them the space for uh new soil to to be created they 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 pump the soil the the, the soil grows uh, thanks to those uh, uh to that crop um, I don't know if I answered to your. Yeah, that's great. No, that's 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 great. It's it's um, it's really interesting. But then you you kind of prepared the tree lined and planted inside and didn't bring uh, any uh, specific fertilization for the vegetables. You kind of just fitted them in in the tree system and uh, along the 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 needs of the trees. Then the the tree in in the fruit uh, orchard the yep. the tree line uh, preparation process. Uh, it took nine months where we have been uh, cutting the grass and collecting it, collecting it um, on the on the key lines. So basically, we had the roots of the of the pasture that that um, decomposed and, and and left a very good and rich soil. Uh, part of the material that we added uh, for three four times uh, that decomposed and also uh, gave a good amount of nutrients. And at the beginning, we, we put a layer of five centimeters of compost that we, we produced, like very high carbon, like 90% uh, wood chips uh, compost, um, very well decomposed, together with uh, uh, pumice rock, rock dust to, to bring those minerals that we don't have in, in this soil. Um, and in the whole of the trees, uh, we also we, we put all sorts of uh, stimulants like um, uh, other rock dust, uh, microorganisms, and bio, our activated biochar and leonard uh, diet and, and, and things like that. Uh, for the vegetable, basically um, compost and, 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 and the mulch. When looking at uh, these uh, more complex systems that you're creating, these more complex tree lines where you're integrating the vegetables, uh, the berries, the trees, the paulonia, uh, I think it would be interesting to 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 you know go over um, some more of the of the ways the elements interact together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For example, well, the, the, the fruit trees uh, basically they have to produce the fruits <laughs> because. Uh, uh, there is a lack of organic uh, fruit production in uh, in the in the area, so we can sell them for a, for a, a quite high price. And um, the the berry layer, which is the bush layer, is is a beautiful layer. Uh, to me, is one of the the most fascinating and 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 important layers. If I had to choose uh, to put a top canopy or an emergent tree in in a fruit orchard or a bush layer, I would have chosen the the bush layer. I mean, bush, bushes are, are, are like are small trees uh, or uh, like a, a sort of lignified uh, pasture. Uh, I love them because they're, they're, they're roots, they're marvelous, they're, they're just magical. Uh, every single species has, has a magical root that, that does uh, one or, or have one or more uh, ecological functions. Uh, especially berries. 
uh, currants and gooseberries in in this case. Um, they're amazing uh, tree nurse. They they grow. They they are like an unexpressed forest. Every currant and every gooseberry plant is an unexpressed forest. You just let them like that, and they will grow a forest. The first year of planting, we already had no. Sorry, second year when when the currants were were bigger, but but also the the gooseberries. Under them, they already started to grow maples, uh, service trees. They started to grow uh, um, what's the name? Uh, mulberries. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. in like older raspberry systems. Now it is a forest. It's growing a forest. So they're fine, fine, very thick uh, root systems. They just stimulate the soil. In, 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 in a wonderful way that no other crops manage to do. So they have a very positive interaction with the fruit trees that are above them. It is, is a good, is a good uh, interaction between the two, yeah. It's like the, the protection from the fruit trees is good for the berries uh, and the, and the um, soil uh, root activity and microbial activity, of course, connected to the to the berries is is uh, propedeutical. It is good for for the the fruit tree. It's just like the berry is substitute to me, uh, from what I've been observing, the the presence, for example, of of uh, willow uh, willow root system. So very active, very nice color all the time, growing new roots all the time, new shoots all the time. Very active, long. Uh, sorry, short uh, lifespan, so they have to give all themselves. If you imagine that from the second year, you already are in full production, it's just amazing. You have to imagine that mm. these tree, these these crops, they need to have an extremely um, complex, active uh, microbial and root system around them because they grow a huge amount in quantity of fruits in a very short period because they are always the first crops producing uh, at the beginning of the year. They flower and in, in, in very little time they, they bury fruits. So they really need to have a strong system that supports this. So they are very uh, vital uh, to the system. Matteo, I love the passion in your voice. I literally can't wait to plant berries now. You know, I'm in a climate where <laughs> berries grow and I'm just getting excited and angsty on my chair, just thinking like, wait, when can I get out and plant these? You know, it's so, it's so great, man. <laughs> yeah, well, in, in order to, um, how to say, when, when you like to plant trees, when you like the berries that you want to nearly to hug them, it's like, the winter is always too far because you want to plant them all the time. So we, this year we, we, we started to develop a system which is like a, uh, it needs particular pots and a, and a particular uh, management, uh, but a system that allows us, and we already, we're already exper- experimenting, uh, to plant trees the whole year round. So it doesn't matter what is the season. If you have a little bit of water and and you apply this system, you can plant the whole year round, and and this for the people like like you uh, and, <laughs> and Dimitri and me is like uh, it's very very important because we need to plant forests all the time. 
That's Could so you cool. elaborate a bit more on that uh, uh, system? Oh, it, it's very simple. Is <clears throat> basically uh, we are using these uh, cardboard uh, tubes. It's like compressed cardboard, which is open on the top, and on the bottom is is bent inside. So it it has a hole, but on on the close to the side is uh, has got like a sort of uh, bottom. Yeah. And you plant the whole thing. It's like 25 centimeter tall and seven, eight centimeter wide. So basically, it's, it's lots of uh, soil or lots of compost inside. And then you just plant it. Mm. And then what happen? You don't move the roots. It's not even like root trainers that you have to open the root trainer and some mm. sort of stress happen. It mm -hmm. just plant this beautiful uh bullet in the soil and just give a little bit of water and little by little the roots of the trees will grow in the bottom layer so you're already growing trees perfect for agroforestry system where you don't want shallow root trees that go on the cereals or on the vegetables because they will grow at the bottom of the of the of the pot so in our case 25 centimeter deep already We definitely need to uh, get into that, Etienne. Yeah. Start finding out how come we can and, build these things. Come and plant some uh, berries on uh, my land with that and you're invited. <laughs> <laughs> well, remaining on this system um, that we were describing now, uh, the orchard, um, all this complexity that you've added in these different plants, uh, does it affect somehow the management of the system? So I'm thinking, you know, you've got to go in there to mow, Uh, to spray, um, to prune, um, to harvest as well. Um, kind of logistically or from a management perspective, what's the impact there? Uh, very complex. Extremely complex. Uh, especially uh, for a European uh, mind, it's too complex. Because uh, we have to work fast, we have to spend little money because the produce is not valued as as it should be. So either you have a lot of passion and you work also in the night, otherwise uh, it it uh, the system collapses. Uh, we are working on the management systems that will allow us and will allow uh, many other farmers to run such a system or maybe leave it more uh, simple but in a more human <laughs> uh, human way um, in order not to get uh, crazy with it so that that's in order to scale it to scale it yeah yeah exactly exactly we we sort of promote complexity we promote problems i mean we could we could have many less problems if we would have used like copper treatments or, or uh, pyretrum treatments or many other organic toxic uh, pesticides we, we choose not to and this already creates a lot of problems and then uh, the system now we are observing the system more from the bio biology and the ecology point of view and less from the machinery uh, point of view even if we are using already Uh, some uh, particular uh, machineries. Uh, the ideal to me is is uh, to to use animals 
use the system. But I think still the biggest problem is the lack of enough plants in the system. As we uh, already spoke many times, uh, especially with the system at Mazi Farm, Dimitri, uh, mm-hmm. is that the, the, key in, the key most of the time uh, for many, many problems, sorry, to, to solve many problems is to increase uh, plant density. Uh, we are lacking the herbaceous layer because we didn't have time to yet to, to plant it. We already have lots of plants that we'll be planting uh, in the winter, as I said before. And why we are missing it? Because it is growing a lot of grass and, 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 and lots of annual weeds. And they are telling us, okay, if you, if you don't put uh, something that uh, allows the soil to, uh, to be covered by green material, we don't want the mulch. The mulch is toxic. To, regenerate, uh, to the regeneration process. It's like a, a forest that is allowed to become old and, and the, the layer of leaf, leaves become thick because there, there are not any more animals to manage it, to promote the compo- fast decomposition. That layer, not in all the climates, not in all the situations, but in many cases, in many uh, wild cons- uh, tree consortiums, what it makes the system becoming older and older is this mulch. It's just like what is 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 done by most of uh, uh, like permaculturists or or uh, many regenerative uh, farmers is to put lots of mulch, but the mulch. Um, the mulch is just like uh, bare soil. The, tr- the soil doesn't want to be covered. The soil wants to have roots and eventually some leaves on top of it. It doesn't care about sterile, slowly decomposing organic matter. So what we need is really to substitute the annual weeds because with lots of mulch, what happens, the, the most resistant plants will be the, uh, ra- the rhizomatic with the rhizomes uh, like uh, Convolvulus uh, arvense, like uh, Artemisia vulgaris, uh, like uh, Synodondactylon, uh, like uh, um, now no, it doesn't come the name. Anyway, all those uh, crops that have starchy r- roots or uh, starchy rhizome that manage to have the power to get through this uh, hippie mulch and uh, and to tell us just one thing we need uh, the soil is telling us that you need to cover it with green not with brown <clears throat> and then we have to listen to what the soil is telling us uh, because of course uh, a rhizome it starts to become a sort of interesting uh, interesting crop to deal with because it grows very fast. It's got a lot of energy, a lot of energy. I mean, we have sorghum alepense that if you don't cut it, uh, it has got these huge rhizomes. And if you don't cut it in, in two, three weeks, it reaches like two, two meters high. It's a C4, beautiful biomass, but very, very uh, aggressive. Yeah? You, you, you don't mm-hmm. see your, your apples anymore. If, if you let it grow. Of course, I can go and cut it many times, but I, I, can't, uh, I can't pay 10 people 
that spend their time in cutting the grass is, is uneconomical. When will we have someone paying us uh, the, for, for ecological services, yeah, then I, I will have people cutting the grass uh, all the time uh, and, and putting it on, on the ground. But now is, is not possible yet. That's something that will challenge a lot of people's um, understanding, I think, um, what you just said. Um, but if you have uh, such a, um, if you have the need for green um, um, living plants on the tree line um, to regenerate the soil and activate um, the system, how do you then manage for weeding? Which you know this is uh, uh, one of the um, huge um, problems and costs of labor costs of uh, of um, biological or ecological agriculture. How would you manage that in the in this case, it, it, it all depends uh, uh, from the from system to system. I, I will change strategy uh, dramatically. Like in our case, what we will be planting under the system, it will be uh, because we, we we tried it and it's beautiful and it's working perfectly <clears throat> in small spots. But now we already reproduced thousands of uh, plants of rhubarb, of uh, uh, horseradish, of uh, um, uh, of uh, comfrey. Yeah. There will be the three mm -hmm. main herbaceous layer uh, crop, uh, which for us is not just a matter of cutting the grass and, and letting it in there. It will be a produce. We can choose. We can choose to harvest it and sell it. Harvest it and 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 uh, um, yeah, like uh, pr make preserves and 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 uh, um, jams and and so on. So they're all perennial plants as well, right? And so you're using plants to pre to prevent the weeds from growing. Yeah, yeah. We we in our experience, for example, uh, either with the rhubarb and with the horseradish, they grow to a perfect height that stimulates the the berries to grow a little bit, little bit taller. But then nothing grows under them. It's just like rhubarb, okay. but also horseradish. They're just perfect crops, perfect. Because I could, we could choose a creepy thyme, a creepy um, uh, marjoram, and all those um, covering uh, herbs, but they're not tall enough, and they promote the arrival of Mediterranean Sea for. Rhizomatous, how to say, like plants that have uh, rhizomes that will grow uh, through, and most of the time will 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 give uh, lots of problems. Of course, I can't sell. Uh, I could create a, um, a market of uh, thousands of kilos of of marjoram, dry marjoram, but again, is 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 um, is not so easy as maybe uh, rhubarb. Uh, or 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 stratish. So the first year you would uh, prepare your lines. I mean, you know, plant the trees, and you would put vegetables the first year, and only the second year start establishing uh, more perennial crops and your herbaceous layer. Or is or are you saying that establishing this the first year as an alternative to uh, potatoes or corn or the the other uh, vegetables we mentioned? Uh, it depends what soil. Rich soil, yeah. Uh, go go straight. Straight with the those perennial crops, uh, perennial uh, herbaceous layer. Uh, layer. If uh, uh, there are uh, there's not enough fertility in the soil, then start with the annuals. 
you you keep a shallow uh, a shallow root layer so you don't give too many trouble to to the young uh, fruit trees which is in, in in the first year they're a little bit uh, more delicate and then uh, from the second year on you will be planting uh, the perennial ones I mean now we are entering we will be in the four year I think we are in the four year of our orchard and we'll be planting them uh, this autumn I could have planted them before but uh, right. we didn't have time super interesting so you know, now we, we've talked extensively of the orchards and I was wondering if you could present to us, um, you know, your silver pasture systems that we haven't, you know, uh, touched upon yet either. Mm. And yeah, start again with a, a bit of an overview of, of the systems, the, the species you cho chose and the breeds. and. Mm. Yeah. Um, the, the silver pasture uh, systems are, are still... Uh, very very young and, and most of them we still have to plant them uh, what we have now at the moment is planted is a is a young uh, uh, like two years old uh, hazelnut orchard um, diamond shaped uh, planted with like diamond shapes so or like the hexagon uh, with four meter distance between each tree and on the slopes because we have many slopes, very steep slopes, and we want to manage them not with machinery, but with animals, but we also want to have a tree crops. So the sheep, uh, which are light, will be managing to already, uh, we, we did already trials, um, to deal with the, with the pasture, uh, with the hazelnut, uh, how do you call them, uh, shoots, yeah? that are growing from, from the base, that normally you have to go and cut them, but uh, the, the sheep will do the job. The sheep will prune the, the hazelnut leaves uh, as, as far as uh, uh, it will reach them uh, in height. And then we'll have this beautiful um, sort of free, flow, free air flow layer at the bottom of the hazelnut, which is a, a, a crop that really needs a lot of air which is very prone to many, many, many fungal and bacterial diseases. So we need that. We need to keep the grass low, either for to decrease the amount of uh, moisture coming from uh, the transpiration, at the same time uh, to reduce uh, water splashing and, and to have clear uh, grass uh, when we have to harvest the, the hazelnuts. Uh, we will be planting, I wanted to do it before, top canopy in between the hazelnuts to have uh, a little bit of shade on the hazelnuts, which are, of course, an, an edge uh, tree uh, if you want to produce them. Otherwise, they can also be in, in full uh, shade, but they don't produce much or they don't produce uh, anything. And that's the hazelnut, uh, hazelnut ship. Uh, plus uh, top layer, which uh, ideally I would like to to have uh, conifers, like cedars, like uh, we planted, uh, we we have some uh, um, Siberian night nut, uh, uh, how do you call them? Siberian pine nut trees, but they will take like ages to grow. So I don't uh, I don't even uh, say uh, that we will be planting them <laughs> because it will be probably thirty years time uh, that they will be growing. 
uh, still actually I have to choose, but we have lots of polonias that we, we, we still have to plant. So probably we'll start with polonias and then uh, we'll plant uh, cedars, which are growing very fast and they're beautiful trees. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, for that system, that's it. Not, not much more. Then we have uh, the, the walnut grove. Walnut, uh, they already have three years. They're, they will be growing quite tall. Uh, I, I am preferring more and more the idea of a mono-axis tree, uh, a little bit like you do in commercial uh, apple uh, orchards. So not vase, but uh, mono-axis. Um, between the trees, we started to plant uh, mulberries and Karagan arborescens, uh, Siberian pea shrub, in order to have a pro, pro, high protein um, for for the the sheep, uh, the, the 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 funny thing about the mulberry is that we will be having uh, a cent center trunk uh, with the um, walnut trees spaced seven eight meters between them, depending on the on the part on the on the um, uh, place where we are on the farm or on the terraces, and in between then one mulberry tree we will be growing two main or horizontal branches at a 40 centimeter height from the ground. So parallel going, growing toward the, the walnuts. It would be then uh, a T, a T letter with a very short uh, leg. And then from there on, we will be grow like cordons, like uh, with a grape. And then every year from, uh, let's say, the, the multiple pollard uh, heads, on these long horizontal branches, we will grow the fruiting branches. We will harvest the fruits. When the fruits will be harvested, sheep comes in, eat the leaves. Um, we leave a resting time. Leaves grows back. Sheep comes in second time. Eat very fresh, high protein protein um, uh, leaves. And then in the winter time, we will be cutting again. Down to the polar, the polar head, uh, every single, um, every single branch. Uh, let's say we'll have a polar head on the main branch every 25, 30 centimeters uh, spacing, and every now and then on the length of on this uh, four meters of uh, cordon, we'll have some cordon that will go in the ground uh, in order to have. Uh, support roots uh, either to keep the the um, the cordon uh, at, the, at the right height at the same time to feed uh, to feed with the with the um, with the more roots the whole system great i just wanted to, to ask because you've mentioned a few times uh, you know um, the nutritional value of leaves um, and of trees so i think maybe this is the right moment to go a bit uh, more in depth in there and maybe you can explain to us what is so beneficial of including fodder from trees into the the animal's diet first the animals they they don't graze on the ground so uh, the um, the amount of uh, parasite intake um, is really uh, very low uh, secondary uh, a perennial tree it can grow like like mulberry, for example, um, it can grow very, very extended uh, root uh, system. And by, by that, 
it, it just multiplies the amount of minerals and the amount of biochemical produce that uh, are, are stored then in the leaves. Um, mulberry, it, it, has, it can reach 6% more protein than alfalfa. Mm. Wow. But Amazing. it's more digestible. It has got double the amount of the minerals, and you don't have to plant it every four years. Mm. So it's just uh, I see it because now managing the sheep and the donkeys, and, and but also in all the years of experience around the world, I see that the first thing that animals will go to eat when you move them, we move them three four times a day. Uh, the first thing that we'll be eating, it will be bush, tree, and tree leaves, if they can, if there are any, if they are reachable. Annual, uh, like, um, how to say, uh, annual weeds, because they are dynamic accumulators. They are very rich in protein. They are very easy to digest because no lignin, no uh, anti-nutritional uh, anti uh, compounds. and. Uh, and after the grass, and uh, and then uh, yeah, gr grass and, and and forbs. So it's very mm. interesting. Like we 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 think that the grazes they are grazes, but they're they're the browsers. I mean, the rumen uh, evolved also to deal with lots of uh, um, biochemical uh, anti-nutritional biochemical products that the trees and the bushes uh, had. Uh, in order to prevent an overconsumption of of uh, of that tree, then uh, it's very important to choose the right tree trees. It's very important to have uh, in in um, an alternative tree fodder system. It's Im important to have trees with high tanning levels, like uh, for example, chestnuts. Uh, which are very, uh, very digestible uh, leaves at the same time. It's very important to have uh, elders. It's very important to have small amount of toxics because they're important for the animal, for the, for the health of the gut system, of the rumen system uh, against uh, uh, parasites. And uh, following this idea, we, we nearly uh, finished uh, by putting down a consortium of around 10 different tree species that we want to have on lines, repeating them for every single move of the animals. So every single micro paddock where we are moving the animals, being it one day move, being it three, day, uh, three times a day move, they always have to find those 10 Trees that will that will give them a free choice, high nutri uh, high um, protein level, high digestible sugars, high selenium, high calcium and magnesium, high tannins, and all those very important uh, produce that the animals are trying to find desperately. I mean, we are managing animals. In a very unnatural way, animals would walk for kilometers in order to have a particular mineral, in order to have a particular uh, toxin that allows them to get rid of uh, lysis, ticks, uh, 
uh, Ascaris uh, parasite in the, in, the, in the guts. And what we do, we keep them in a small system where they can't find, uh, they can't find what they need. So in order to get what the animal needs, we have to create in every single move what the animal would find in, in like a one kilometer move. Because in nature, animal keep on moving. Eat a little bit of that, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. And it happens that at the end of the day, one herbivore uh, ate 250 different species. Can you imagine just us eating rice or eating uh, rice and meat and butter and this and this and that? You just get so many uh, more nutrients and so many more uh, produce that, that, that your body needs to maintain and to express the full genetics potential. I can't even uh, imagine what this meat must taste like. And I don't even know if in my life I've been able to taste meat that has had such a good diet. Well, maybe deer meat. But do they even have access to so much diversity when they're in the forest? And the forest is often it's managed forest where there's uh, mostly oak and not a lot of other species because they've been yeah. Um, yeah. selected. You know what I mean? So it's, I, I, I don't even, I wouldn't even expect deer to, to, to have such a high mineral, no, um, no, totally. uh, such a big selection of, uh, of food. But um, w- when you're looking at uh, these, uh, the animals and, and you know, they're going to have a mixed diet of pasture and fodder trees. Um, when the trees grow, when the system evolves, um, what's going to be the impact on the pasture? Is the pasture going to little by little kind of lose strength? And is that going to have an impact on the proportion uh, that the animal of the, of, the, of the diet of the animal between no, no. fodder yeah. and pasture? Do you know what I mean? No, not at all, because all those uh, so-called trees, they will be managed as bushes. So uh, we will not let them grow. Uh, in order okay. to have high quality, uh, high dig- digestible uh, fiber, uh, high protein, you need to keep those trees with like one year, maximum two years old uh, branches. Yeah. So it's going to look like um, some kind of, because you also mentioned that there was going to be hazelnuts in some areas and, and, and paulonia. It's going to look more like a savanna system with some trees uh, growing tall. And but with enough light, or or yeah. is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the 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 like shade trees they are necessary because most of the time animals they they stay under a tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, like I'm I'm not gonna go deep into the relation between animal and and tree. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go uh, very deep into that because uh, I could speak uh, 10 years just about that, that thing. is one of the most exciting and amazing things uh, on planet Earth. Uh, but uh, remember that a cow that has got shade, it will be able to increase uh, its own weight by 150 to 100 grams per day when a cow without shade would not increase the weight but lose the weight yeah so yeah. shade is is like food you give them shade to eat because ruminants especially ruminants uh, the animals with the with the rumen they have to pass most or or a big part of their time ruminating 
So you have to give them the right amount of food. They finish the pasture. They finish the trees that they have in that small paddock. They go under that tree. They, 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 they make a good use of what you gave them uh, to eat. Yeah? Yeah. But you need the tree shade. That's very important. Now we, we don't have trees that make shade in the whole property, so we just build a, a movable uh, a movable uh, shelter that we move on on skids. Uh, but eventually, in a few years, we will be having uh, shade uh, all over the place. It's just amazing this relation between animals and shade. It just uh, makes me crazy. And, uh, I really hope we can uh, we can get uh, back into that one day, uh, whether on the podcast or you know when we come and visit you. But this is kind of it's really fascinating stuff and yeah it's very exciting um yeah I, w i was thinking um because we are constrained by time maybe we can discuss a bit the management around you know integrating animals and trees uh one aspect being you know planting the trees and protection that has to go in there um and then yeah just general interaction and you know a bit similar to what we explored in the orchard and how that uh, complexifies things how does that express itself Uh, in the silver pastoral system, very complex, very, very, very complex. Uh, animals like trees. <laughs> yeah, animal likes trees, and, and and you want to have trees, but you don't want to have animals which are eating uh, those trees at least uh, while they're 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 growing. So with fruit trees, we are still trying to understand what to do. But I think the, the simplest thing and the most intelligent thing, if, if uh, I would go back four years' time, on the tree lines where we have planted most of the trees on a um, uh, free vertical axis, uh, when we are talking about like sort of Solax system on apples and, and, and pears, and the uh, um, vase shape on the Drupace family, like uh, plums and peaches and, and, and apricots, I would do everything espalier. So mm. bidimensional. No natural shape. I want to produce fruits and I will have everything on, on a, let's say, 30, 40 centimeter uh, wide uh, line. In this way, uh, I will be managing to keep animals between the lines if, uh, if I need and if I want. Uh, all my very high fruit production on the on the on the fruit lines, and uh, the level that of complexity or with the herbaceous layer and bush layer and and top canopy layer uh, that I want to have. But uh, yeah, like espalier is is the simplest choice. I could tell you what you could use to protect the trunk. You could have. Um, uh, particular nets, electric uh, nets, you could spray uh, some, some produce that repulse, uh, repulse the, the, the animals. Uh, but the simplest thing is to change the shape of the tree and to, to not, not to, uh, to use too much space. Hmm. Is this uh, why you're not integrating the animals into the orchard? Or are you integrating them there? We, we are. We are experimenting. We are experimenting, but um, it's okay with, uh, with, uh, with the bigger breeds of, uh, of sheep, which are fat and, 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 and low. Uh, it's not good with the donkeys. Uh, so 
is 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 good with the, those sheep like Suffolk, like Texel, like Blueface, uh, Lyser, uh, under the apricots, under the, the plums, under the, the peaches. Yeah, but it's not good with the mm -hmm. apples because ap apple has got a vertical axis with very, I mean, you know how it's make the, the verti vertical axis with the, you have a one uh, central trunk and from the bottom of the tree, you have the bottom branches, which are coming out horizontally quite a lot, like a meter or a meter 20. And it's just like a conifer. And while you, you get to the top, the branches, they become uh, shorter and shorter. And you understand that if you have at the bottom, at, at the mouth height, productive branches, you can even put a net. So you have to... To, you will have nets which will be starting, like electric nets, which will be starting from the end of those low branches. That it means that you have very little space between one tree line and the other tree line. Uh, mm -hmm. This is uh, complex. This is why I, I don't know for, for how long we'll be keeping uh, the animals in that orchard. But we'll see. Mm, we'll see. Matteo, I wanted to ask a, a quick question. Um, well, it's not a quick, I mean, the answer won't be quick, but um, given in, keeping in mind that we or have been taking your time for a long time, um, uh, how, you know, to what extent uh, does the selection of the breed of uh, the sheep you integrate, what role does it play? Because I know that certain uh, sheep breeds are preferred in orchard management, for example, and since you, you started the talk talking to us about um, your genetics and your flock and, and the breeds, do you have anything to say about that? Uh, I still don't have enough uh, experience on, on this. Like uh, genetics is something extremely complex. Uh, I don't come from a from a breeder or or, or, or a farming family. Um, as far as I know, as far as I could observe, like the the Shropshire uh, sheep, it seems to be. The, the the most appropriate for uh, fruit orchards um, or Christmas trees uh, operations. Um, otherwise, what I would do, I would I would choose a um, fat, low barycenter animal. So with the neck, it will not manage to to get to to high. It will be not like we have this osang. Uh, sheep which are like dwarf sheep which is like like uh, little evils like amazing uh, browsers just, they are just like goats but they, they, they can pass through a hole like a rat and, and they will go and, and eat the first thing they will do they will eat the, the, the bark uh, of your trunks those sheep we are, we are selling them uh, so they are not right for our system. We wanted to try because we have we had different ideas, but they are not appropriate. Um, then, yeah, I, I think big animal, not tall, but big, fat, wide, wide, uh, wide shape uh, sheep will be the the choice, which are very docile, very calm. They will not they will not go through. Uh, the fence, they are, they are they're very good animals. They, we never found them out, the fence. Uh, and now we have, it's quite a bit of time that we have them. And uh, yeah, not tall animals. This is very important. 
Cool. Matteo, you've given us so much information to for people, for everybody listening to think about, analyze, probably even take notes. Um, this is how detailed this uh, uh, your answers were. Um, so we wanted to move to the last kind of questions that we that we ask people. Um, firstly, what's the next big projects at Izide? What are you in the next few years, in the medium term? How are you expecting things to change and to evolve? Well, um, I think consolidating uh, what is working and 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 rearranging the systems, um, especially where they 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 haven't been working properly. And uh, hopefully, not hopefully. Actually, we 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 just received a permit to 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 build the farm structures, and I think one very important part will be to to start um, how to say not really a restaurant operation, uh, but where food will be prepared and served uh, to people in a manner. Uh, that will will give to the produce of those systems uh, more value, because the people will be eating those produce, uh, of course, uh, that will be cooked in in, in our commercial uh, kitchen. They will be eating them in complex systems, and um, I mean there are many ideas, many many things that we we uh, we want to develop, but. Uh, Systems, uh, we, we will be uh, planting uh, definitely what we haven't been managing uh, uh, up to now. Um, apple and pear orchard for cider making. And mm. there I still have to understand uh, what type of complexity uh, we want to have because the, the apple orchard we have is is uh, um, a, has got a very simple consortium with the uh, Gleditia Trecantos, the, the honey the honey locust uh, in between every uh, apple tree and then uh, of course the, the king of uh, the kings or the queen of the queens uh, uh, the chestnut uh, which is uh, to me the, the, the best crop on planet earth and I will have uh, to manage to to plant it on very alkaline soil and and to and to to reach this a uh, beautiful glo- glo- globus uh, rounded shape very sexy i think is uh, i think is the most sexy <laughs> i can shape. imagine uh, the sheep underneath grazing as well <sighs> um it's going to be a beautiful scene it is amazing it's amazing so yeah as you know we'll be talking to many different um, farmers and, um, and people involved in agroforestry on the podcast what kind of uh, topics or questions would you like to hear about on the podcast and would you like us to explore? What would you be interested in listening to? Ooh. <laughs> anything, anything. Uh, failures. I want to hear about failures. I want to hear about uh, what doesn't work uh, in, in a system uh, and, and then to understand how people go through the the solving uh, the solving process. Um, I would like to hear about system that works from an economical point of view. I, I would like to hear about systems of uh, not heroes but but uh, 
farmers that it means that when when farmers will be speaking uh it it, it will be meaning that the system will, will be compatible for the most of uh, uh, the landscape um i like to hear more about uh, of course um, the whole thing about uh, nutritional um the nutritional subject when we are speaking about for the trees and we are speaking about perennial uh, perennial nuts and uh, and animals that are growing and and grazing uh, under a very rich uh, civil pasture system and i would like to hear about the ways to give more importance from economical point of view uh, to the ecosystem services uh, which we are delivering uh, to the society which we are delivering to uh, the graded land and and they have to be uh, valued because if i if i uh, don't produce erosion if i if my soil absorbs all the water uh, that falls from the sky and it doesn't uh, it doesn't create uh, how do you say in in uh, in English? It doesn't in- increase the amount of water of rivers and 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 water courses creating here in Italy is is, is always the, the rule every every year creating huge problems to infrastructures to to uh, railroads to 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 cities and and so on. I want to be paid for that because I put mm-hmm. more energy, I put more resources in order. Uh, to to stop that erosion in order to infiltrate uh, the uh, that water in the deep ground and uh, we have to be valued not just for the quality of our produce but also for the quality of the environment of our farms and 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 the environment that becomes better and better thanks to uh, our farms listen uh, i know there's a lot of people working on this um and I did my master's thesis on payment for ecosystem services. So I know uh, a few years ago it wasn't quite there yet, but a lot of people are working on it. So we'll make sure we, we go and talk to some people and, and understand um, where we're at. But in any case, um, I mean, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you. It's been a real privilege to have all this information and especially in, uh, in the busy summer months. Uh, having worked on farms ourselves, we, we don't take this lightly. We really understand um, how precious time is. So thanks for allocating it to this podcast. Thank you. Sorry for my I- Italian English and from the chaotic uh, thoughts, uh, but, but it's all about uh, complexity and complexity is chaotic. So it's, it's, also, to, it's also good to not understand anything or, or <laughs> understand everything. I think uh, it, the... The, the complexity of our systems makes, a, makes us more complex and, and is important to become uh, polycultural in our brain rather than monoculture. So thank you for, the, for what you are doing and uh, have a nice day. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find links of Matteo's farm, Instagram, etc. below. And as you may have noticed, we're just starting out here at uh, this whole podcasting thing. So we'd love to have your feedback. And you can do that by getting on our website. There's also lots of other information and other ways you can get involved. 
So we're waiting for you there. Link is below. And thanks again.